When I get my pre-snap reads, I'm looking at the defense, at the snap of the ball. It's like I black out. CCR 79, September 30th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio was brought to you by NFL News and Rumors. The news never sleeps and neither does NFL News and Rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, touchdown! 89's in the building. Still on a mission, though. Still on a mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Tom Sorensen returns to discuss the Panthers' tough start. We'll talk to a dedicated fan who refuses to give up on the team. And Nick Yeoman gives us the fans' perspective. We also have a recap of the loss to the Cowboys. First and 10, Carolina from the 25-yard line of Dallas. Delone to throw. Loss of pass end zone. It is brought in. Touchdown! Dante Rosario! First and goal at the five. High formation, two receivers right. And Romo fakes the hitch and draws it up the middle. And it's an easy walk the dog for Tashard Choice. At the Carolina 22, second down and 10. 5-15 in the game. Dallas up 13-7. Delone throws to Newman. to seven, the final score as the Panthers still looking for their first win of 2009. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. I think we've run out of adjectives and maybe the team has run out of answers. Do I have to say it? Okay then. Oh and three. A 21-7 loss to the Dallas Cowboys and the Big D and the Carolina Panthers now share the basement of the NFC South with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Answers must be found and quick during the bye week or this team could find itself doing a lot more of what Steve Smith says he hates, losing. I hate losing. I don't like losing video games. I don't like losing uh, pitching quarters, uh, jacks, uh, solitaire, uh, dominoes, you name it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very competitive, always will be. Uh, to the day I die, till I'm 900 years old, I'm going to be a grumpy old man, uh, competitive as well. So that's never going to stop. It's never, uh, never going to not be uh, in my DNA. That's just the way. That's my makeup. That's where I'm from. That's what's ingrained in me. At least we can all rest assured that there won't be any losing this weekend as the Carolina Panthers head into their bye week. Gosh, you lollygag the ball around the empty. You lollygag your way down the first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you. Larry, lollygag. It's time once again for the Panther preview. I say preview, there's no game coming. Well, you know, we're going to preview the bye week. But, uh, okay, whatever. 0-3. And Nick Yeoman is still with us. Neither of us has jumped off the bridge. Nick, thanks for having the guts to be with us again. And John, thank you for thinking of me and letting me call and talk to you again. This this is what 0-3 feels like. I, I forgot about this. Yeah, and um, where to start? I, 
you know, I, I was I was writing out questions for this, and the first question I could come up with is, it sort of turned out like this, and I'll read it to you as I wrote it down. Blah, 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 oh, and three. <laughs> that, that may be one of the greatest questions I've ever heard, John. I, well, I guess if you look at it, we're not going to lose this weekend. I mean, we don't play anybody, but we're not going to lose, so... Yeah, 0-3, here we are, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we should have seen this coming because it was a brutal loss to Arizona in the playoffs, a brutal off season, injuries galore, Jake DeLome turning into bad Jake, and maybe we should have saw this coming, but this team is just pointed in the wrong direction, and, and uh, that, that three in the loss column is, is only going to get bigger. Okay, why not? Because this is what we do. On the Dallas game, here's your chance to grade the defense. Well, okay, let's see. Defense in the first half, I mean, I didn't think they played bad. I really didn't. I thought they made some plays. They got some pressure. Ron Meeks, let, you know, they, he sent some blitzes at Tony Romo and played well. But in that second half, absolute, they just quit. I mean, they absolutely quit. The secondary couldn't tackle. The linebackers, I mean, they were flying all over the place but couldn't make the plays. And wouldn't you know it, old number 90, standing there on the sidelines, hands on his hips. So I got to give the defense a D, a solid D, if that's, if that's such a thing. And um, was the offense good offense, or was it simply offensive? No, the offense was, was pretty offensive. It was pretty bad. I mean, the, the, the one score, I can really think, one drive, you know, that led to the touchdown that was really effective and uh, the rest of it, I mean, they, they, they run the ball 13 times. Or I, are you kidding me? I mean, D'Angelo Williams, was he was getting five yards per carry. Keep feeding him the rock and don't make Jake DeLone throw the ball 33 times. Uh, the two interceptions, one I put on Steve Smith. The other I kind of put on Jake, just kind of tossed it up there. The offensive line, a few mistakes here and there. So, really, I got to give the offense a D again, a D for Dallas. All right. I'm going to give you a chance, and I know every fan dreams of this. We all want to do this. We can only do this as, you know, we're dreaming still, I understand, but why not? For just a few minutes, let's put you in charge. Nick, you're the man. You are the coach, the general manager, and the vice president of of player personnel. What changes do you make in 30 seconds? I'm the general manager. Well, I, I probably should fire myself because we have done <laughs> such a poor job, you know, in the last five or six months. But all right, here we go. From a fan's perspective, we're getting rid of Jake DeLome, and we're going to we're going to trade back into the first round somehow. Somehow trade back into the first round. We're going to get Tim Tebow. Now he's got a concussion. I know, but as we all know, Tim Tebow's the second coming of Christ, so it'll be fine. He'll lead the Panthers to victory. We're going to get rid of Julius Peppers. I don't know if we have anyone that can replace him at defensive end, but we're going to get rid of him, and uh, we're going to get rid of Steve Smith because he's just not going to want to play for the Panthers anymore because he's so fed up with it. And we're going to let Jonathan Stewart go. We're going to trade him, trade bait, and we're not going to we're not going to build on this offensive line anymore. And the secondary is going to miss a lot of tackles, and the linebackers are going to stay hurt. And I'm probably going to lose my job, aren't I? So you're taking this sort of as a as a temp position, then? <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, that's from a, from a fan perspective, John, as far as, you know, doing the videos, I got a lot of comments, and there's a lot of people. I know you and I aren't alone uh, for, uh, for people that are freaking out right now, and, and I've heard just about all of those. They're just people uh, with every suggestion you can think of. Realistically, though, uh, we're in a hole. I mean, you, there's not a lot you can do with Jake DeLone with the extension. You can't trade Julius in the middle of the season with the franchise thing, so you're going to have to deal with him sitting on the sideline and not producing all season long. And uh, really, the lack of depth at positions that we saw coming are going to hurt this team all season long. I don't know what you can do. Yeah, and then you've got two weeks here where the you know either they, they can correct their mistakes or correct the problems they're having, get better at this new defense, or the offensive line wakes up one day and decides to do a better job. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to fix. And then there's that one guy, and you brought him up already. I was going to ask you, I, I know we've talked about this before, at least twice over the last two weeks, and that's Jake, again. And I think you've already answered the question, but, I mean, are you feeling any better at all about Jake? Not really. I mean, he's shown in the last the last two weeks that, that he can manage the game a little bit better. I mean, I guess in the Atlanta game, he kept us in it, and and in the Dallas game, I put a lot of that on, on the fact that the defense really gave up. But it's still, it's, you're going to have to live, all right, Jake's going to fumble at least once a game, and he's probably going to throw at least one interception a game. And you just have to, you just have to live with that now and, and say, well, you better be prepared to go out there and win a game uh, with that happening, knowing that that's going to happen. And that's not right. That's just not right for, for fans and for teammates to have to expect that. So, I mean, as you know, Jake's not the answer, but – A.J. Feely certainly isn't either. I don't think Matt Moore is either. So you just kind of got to live with it, and you really got to hope that there's a change in the play calling. Jake should not be throwing the ball 41 times against Atlanta. He should not be throwing it 33 times against the Cowboys. This team has they've shied away from their identity. I mean, they've completely forgot what made them so good last year, which was letting that offensive line push people around and letting Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams just absolutely make people look stupid and uh it, it's confusing it's just really frustrating but jake's got to be the guy you just you have to stick with them and there's really no other option all right i gotta bring this up every week before you and i actually start talking and and recording this segment we always get a few minutes to vent at each other and and just kind of unload and you know we we do our thing and something i brought up to you I charted every single defensive play for the Panthers. And at a critical point, there was a rumor that that Julius had hurt his knee. We don't know if it was serious. Obviously not serious enough that he was on the trainer's table being looked at or being attended to in any way. He was just standing there smiling. But at a critical point, fourth quarter, 10.41 to go. Cowboys up 13-7 with the ball at their own 20. Four straight plays. He's off the field. I need to know, am I the only one who, to put it bluntly, is pissed off at Julius Peppers? No, no, John, you're at, you're not. I mean, there are everyone. Everyone is upset at Julius. I don't understand it. And it makes you wonder, all right, this guy's playing for the money. He's just going to – and that's what we feared. I mean, we feared this coming in that he'd have no motivation. He doesn't like playing. He doesn't like the coaching staff, the organization. Maybe he's got some tips with some, with some players. But he's simply going out there, collecting his check. And I mean, two tackles. He got paid over a million dollars a game to get two tackles. Are you kidding me? And for the season now, we're looking at nine tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. I mean, 
that's not all pro defensive end. That's not Hall of Fame defensive end Julius Peppers like we've seen at times. It's it's so frustrating, John, and I, I can't blame you, and I'm right with you. It's we it is we we vent about Julius Peppers most of the time. That's the main that's the main topic of our venting uh, usually before we get on before we uh, before we record these, and it's just it's ridiculous. It's getting crazy. And you know the the odd part about this, you and I and and any fan, we can all talk about um, Jake being good Jake or bad Jake or Julius or D'Angelo fumbled or Smitty wasn't himself. We talk about the players a lot of times, and then we normally pin that on the coaches, where instead we should let them share the blame. But it's funny we we complain about the players, then we want to fire the coach. So. I don't know, maybe there's a, and this this should be a 50-50 thing, they share the job. So uh, I'm going to ask you this, John Fox, do you, if the team doesn't make the playoffs, if, you, if you're going to look far enough down the road at the end of the season when all of this is over for 9 do you want to see John Fox fired regardless of who's out there? Oh, boy, I... I, I right now, right now, after the uh, d- 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 miserable loss to Dallas, the answer is yes. I mean, I, I really, I'm starting to buy into this notion that head coaches have a shelf life, and at some point, the players just they they lose that that father figure factor, whatever you want to call it. They just don't buy into what they're selling, and I think this team has maybe reached that. Now we've seen in the past John Fox teams they rally. We've seen that in the in the past. Granted, those are completely separate teams than what we're seeing right now. Um, so part of me thinks Fox is going to get these guys going. But right now, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. There is a correlation between the players and the coach. If Julius Peppers isn't playing and he isn't, if he's just sitting there and wasting time and collecting his check, then why isn't John Fox up in his face? Why isn't Ron Meeks up in his face and letting him hear it? And if the offense, I mean, if we're running the ball 13 times, if that's on Jeff Davidson, then John Fox has got to be held accountable too. I mean, the, the coaches and the players, they are. They're directly connected. And right now, uh, yeah, I think if this team doesn't make the playoffs, if they don't win at least 10 games, I mean, that's a big rally from an 0-3 start. If they don't win at least 10 games, unfortunately, John, yeah, I think it's time that John Fox has to go. Nick, can we talk you into sticking around for a boomer bust and a pick'em segment? Yeah, hey, let's do. It. I'm I'm fired up, Johnny. Got me all fired up talking about this team. Of course, <laughs> winning, you know that that gives you a certain feeling, and losing uh, gets you a whole different feeling. And I'm fired up, so yeah, I'll stick around, and then we'll do some boomer bust and some pick'em. A little later, we'll hear from a fan whose dedication is being tested. He has vowed to live on the roof at his place of employment until the Panthers win a game. But coming up next, it's our conversation with Charlotte Observer columnist Tom Sorensen. Cacri Radio is going on break, but we'll be right back. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It is time once again to play the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boom or Bust. Joining us to play the game is Nick Yeoman. You all know Nick from his YouTube videos. Nick, are you ready to play the game? Yeah, I am, John. Thanks for having me back on. Let's, uh, let's see if we can boom and bust. 
All right, we'll start you with Maurice Jones-Drew versus the Titans. Well, MJD's a bust. Despite being 0-3, I think the Titans actually have the league's second-best rushing defense. So I think it's going to be a long day for MJD. Jason Campbell versus the Bucks. Well, Jason Campbell will be a boom this week. The Redskins are struggling badly on offense, and they, they've got fingers pointing left and right. But Tampa is really struggling, too. So I see Campbell bouncing back this week. I think he's a boom. Chad Cinco de Mayo versus the Browns. Oh, big-time boom for Ocho Cinco. He's only hauling in four or five catches a game so far. So when you play the Cleveland Browns, you're going to have success, plain and simple. So expect some things from Chad Cinco de Mayo Ocho. Jay Cutler versus the Lions. Well, the Lions are 30th in the league against the pass so far, and I think Cutler's going to pick them apart. He's going to find those guys like Greg Olson, Johnny Knox. They're not really household names yet. They're quietly having impressive seasons. Cutler's a boom. Steve Slayton versus the Raiders. Steve Slayton's also a boom. He's one of those explosive guys that if you give him an inch, he will take a mile. The Raiders are in the bottom five of the league against the run so far this season, which means a good day for the former Mountaineer. Tony Romo versus the Broncos. No, and I think Romo's a bust this week. The way the Cowboys are going to win this game is having Romo just make smart decisions, not go all Jake DeLome during games. And despite not playing anyone good yet, Denver has made improvements on that defense. So don't expect Romo to put up some real big numbers on Sunday. Peyton Manning versus the Seahawks. Well, this has to be a boom. Peyton's looking like the front runner. Him and Drew Brees right now for that MVP early on in the season. And considering the Seahawks are a wounded team once again, I'd say Manning's going to have a big day. Adrian Peterson versus the Packers. Well, the Green Bay Packers are actually struggling against the run so far this season. Cedric Benson went over 100 yards two weeks ago. Steven Jackson broke the century mark against the Pack last week. And now they have to face Adrian Peterson. And that Viking offense has got a much better rushing attack than the Rams and the Bengals. So that's not good for Green Bay. I think Adrian Peterson's a boom. Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings. I think Rodgers is a bust against Minnesota. The Vikings, fourth against the pass in the league. And in a big game, I'm afraid Rodgers may be a little overshadowed by that Brett Favre guy. Well, once again, we will uh, continue to keep notes on this, and we appreciate you playing the game with us, Nick. Hey, thanks again, John. We're going to do it again. We're going to play millionaire. Today, it's how to become a millionaire in only one week. Our contestant is Julius Peppers. Julius, let's take a look at your performance versus the Dallas Cowboys. Well, we've got you once again standing on the sidelines, this time during a critical portion of the fourth quarter with your team only behind 13-7. For the game, the defense gives up a total of 24 first downs, 212 yards rushing, and 237 yards passing. And checking your stat line... We have one tackle, one tackle assist, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries, and no sacks for a grand total of $500,000 per tackle. We're checking with the judges now. I'm sorry, Julius, but that was the wrong answer. They were looking again for, let me repeat this, five or more tackles, a forced fumble, and or an interception, and at least three sacks. But we'll see you back here in two weeks after the Redskins pay a visit, Julius, when we play another round of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? This show exists for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. 
Tell us what you think by sending us an email at catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Now, the Crave continues. Joining us now is Charlotte Observer columnist Tom Sorensen. Tom, thanks for being with us. Anytime. Enjoy doing the show. Tom, here we sit at 0-3. I guess things can't get any uglier than that. I mean, you know, being winless and everything, but... Watching that game on Monday night, yes, there's there's the loss, but there seemed to be a lot of emotion. It seemed to be boiling over either with Smitty or Beeson. He seemed to have a, a little bit of a meltdown. Do you think that maybe this team is sort of unraveling? No, I just think that that was their last big game of the season. I mean, if you look at their schedule, especially the road games, you know, at New Orleans and at Arizona and at the Giants and at the Jets and at New England, you know, you just assume they're going to lose those games, uh, or at least most of them. They get some tough home games, too. So you figure this was their last chance to really say, all right, we're better than we look. We're a playoff team. Here we come. National TV in front of all those fans, a uh, huge stage. You couldn't ask for a better opportunity. And the Cowboys came out skittish, and the Panthers thought, hey, we can do this. And they unraveled in the sense that I think they realized they're just not a very good team. And I think fans realized it, too. This was not like the Philly loss where it was like a knockout punch. This is a series of jabs, and they had Dallas going. I mean, Dallas came out ready to be taken, and the Panthers refused to take them. And that just, what was evident to me, and I think to anybody who watched that game, is, is just, it's a myth that they're a really talented team. They have some good players, but after you get past their stars, man, they got very little. And it's just, uh, just not a, uh, they're just not good. When we were looking at this roster, well, we brought back, like, 20 of 22 starters from, a 12 and 4 team and we you know I guess as fans we all really came into this season you know optimistic we looked at this roster and thought you know well not a bad football team so would you consider that I mean looking at who we had coming back for this season was that kind of a a, a myth that we had all that talent now what what it is is there's always the expectation that what a team does one year it'll do the next year I mean, the Panthers were 12 and 4 last year, but the season before that, they were 7 and 9. And you know, how did they suddenly improve by um, all those victories? How did they how did they go from 7 to 12? And it, it just the power structure changes in the league every season. People get old, people get hurt. Last season they were injury free. Last season things came together. Uh, last season there was just spirit. And you know, we we didn't see it in training camp, but I didn't make too much of that. Didn't see it in exhibitions, and I didn't make too much of that. And then the season began. And what's evident to me is they have some stars. I mean, you got Beeson, you got uh, Steve Smith, you got um, Angelo, and you got Jordan Gross. Um, and you get beyond the stars, and Thomas Davis now. And you get beyond them, and man, you're in trouble. Because there are a lot of mediocre players in that football team. And there's no way, teams always say, you know, we're too good to be 0 3, but they're not. They, uh, they should be 0 3. Okay, do you agree with the sentiment that? it's time to bench Jake and give Matt Moore a shot at the starting job? No. no um, nothing more has done indicates to me that he's the starting quarterback in the NFL. And if I'm John Fox, I go with the players, I think you're going to win. And if Jake is the best quarterback, I think he clearly is the best quarterback. Then after the bye week, you got three winnable games, at home against Washington, at Tampa, at home against Buffalo. And if I'm them, I'd go with uh, I'd go with Jake. One other guy that's going to draw all the attention probably will draw attention from now until the end of the season and whatever he he does after this season and wherever he is, and that's Julius Peppers. And after that, 
well, after that franchise tag and the money that we know he's getting, it, it sort of turned this year into an audition, either to to sign again with Carolina or to go somewhere else. Do you think at this point that he's passing that audition? No. Philadelphia. I mean, he made some nice plays and came really close to making some more. But he was not a factor against Alabama. And Alice, he was just handled. I mean, even if he's double, getting double teamed, you just want those virtuoso plays that your superstars make. And he's not making them. You know, the Panthers can't put the franchise tag on him next season. It's just ludicrous to pay him $20 million a game. And, you know, Julius met with Jerry Richardson in July, and uh, they talked contract. And Julius was ready to sign, but he wanted to be the highest-paid defensive player in the league because that's the offer the Panthers had made after the 060s and uh, after the 070s. And he, uh, the problem is the price went up because two players, two defensive players, signed more lucrative contracts. The Panthers would not agree to make Julius the highest-paid defensive player in the league. Therefore, he didn't sign. But, you know, next year, it's, there's, there's unlikely to be a salary cap. And so teams can play. I think somebody will likely pay or overpay for this effort. If we look for problems, issues that the team is facing right now, it seems to me that uh, the most shocking part of this entire 0-3 start is the offensive line. And they just don't seem to be right. Something seems to be off. I mean, they gave up three sacks to a team that hadn't had a sack all season. I mean, what's wrong with these guys? I don't know. Going into the season, I would have thought the two strongest components would be offensive line and running back. And the offensive line was porous against. They were bad in the preseason. They were bad against Philly. They were very good against Atlanta. And then against Dallas, they were maybe the best. You know, it's just there's a malaise right now that's affecting everybody. And um, nobody has really stood out. Beaton's all over the place. You know, he had that uncharacteristic personal fall. And this is as poised a young guy as you'll ever be around. You know that to be around the camp. And um, they just have come undone. And a lot of that has to go back to Fox, I think. A lot of it has to attest to the leadership. You know, they call these guys down and, and get them ready to play. And um, against Dallas, you had every opportunity just knocked that team out in the first half, and didn't. And in the second half, Dallas was a better team, a more poised team, and the Panthers just came undone. Well, we've got a week off here before the team actually, you know, has to play another game getting ready for Washington. Could there be changes during this bye week? Yeah, but you're going to if I'm Fox, I'm absolutely, you know, the season's not over. They're only three, but it's only September. Nobody's ever been eliminated in September. If I'm John Fox, I go with the players who are are going to help me win. And maybe they can get back in the secondary. And that'll be, uh, Chris is such a big hitter and so opportunistic. That'll help. Uh, but I can't, you know, the, the difference between their their stars and everybody else is huge. And the difference between their starters and their reserves is off. And I just don't see the cavalry coming. I don't see the reinforcements pouring in. Uh, I'm just not optimistic about what happens. And I think they ought to, you know, they get a week off and they ought to be the Redskins. And the camp is terrible. They ought to be camping even on the road. When they come back, maybe they beat Buffalo and they're three and three. But then the schedule turns difficult. I just don't see nothing they did have done this season. Certainly nothing they did Monday night makes you optimistic of what this team has. Well, if we're going to talk about being shocked, um, I think a lot of us were shocked by what happened with uh, the organization with Jerry Richardson. They're really forcing is you know forcing both John and Mark, his two sons, out of out of the organization. So, with that kind of a shock 
for all of us just before the season starts. Now is it possible he he shocks us again and fires John Fox? No, no. I mean, you you can't take a coach that went twelve and four and fire him three games in the next season, especially a coach with a winning record in the regular season and a coach with a winning record in the in the postseason. I, Richardson has a reputation on the league for treating his employees well, and I think that that's important. I think that's important to Jerry. I think he's earned that reputation. Uh, you know, well, right now you have companies laying people off. You have, you know, there's so many bad guys out there. And I think it's really cool that you got an honorable guy. And Richardson gets criticized for being loyal to his, his players. You know, loyal, for example, to Dan Morgan, uh, loyal to Jake, uh, and even loyal to Fox. But and nobody would fire a coach coming off a 12-4 season. And even if you look at a guy like Daniel Snyder, a hothead like him, he's only fired a coach once in midseason, Marty Schottenheimer, and that came back to haunt him. So there's absolutely no justification for letting John Fox go now. Do you think it's something that could happen later? I think if they don't, I wrote a column in, in uh, Wednesday, today's server, and I think if they don't, if Fox doesn't win, if he doesn't suddenly get hot, uh, I, I think that he's finished and should be. I mean, I think the end of the. I think we have seen the end of the John Fox era, and he's done a good job, and he will be starved up by some other team as head coach. But uh, I think realistically that it's over for him after this season. I think it's over for him. I think it's over for Peppers. They came in together, and I think they will leave. Too. Let's hope this thing gets turned around. But uh, Tom, we appreciate you taking time to uh, to talk to us this week. I know you've been busy, but as always, we appreciate you being on the show with us. Yeah, I was doing. I always enjoyed doing. We know you love the Carolina Panthers, so we have more CCR right after this. Hey, Jack, you got a sec? Jack, your hair's on fire. Yeah, I know. I, I just need to finish the sales report, and then I'll lie down for a bit. But shouldn't I? No, I'll be fine. You wouldn't ignore this, so why ignore the signs of a stroke? If you or someone you know suddenly has trouble speaking, seeing, or walking, call 911 right away, because time lost is brain lost. To find out more, visit www.strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE. This message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. It's time to pick some games. And joining us once again for that job is Nick Yeoman from, of course, the YouTube videos. Nick, are you ready to pick some games? Yes, I am, John. Let's try to go 14 and 0 this week. All right, we'll start you with Bucks and Redskins. Wow, two teams that are an absolute mess right now. You know, Washington's got a lot of problems. People just throwing haymakers at head coach Jim Zorn, but I still think they're talented enough to beat Tampa. If the Skins lose to the Lions and the Bucks in consecutive weeks, that fan base is going to lose their mind. I'm going to take the Redskins. Ravens and Patriots. Yeah, you know, right when you think that the Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore, they go out and beat down Atlanta like they did last week. They have a really tough task against the Ravens, but I like New England to get it done and give Baltimore their first loss. Lions and Bears. Well, the Lions, of course, broke that winless streak and picked up win number one, but I don't see that momentum carrying over to beat Chicago. I think the Bears are just a little too tough at home. Bengals and Browns. Well, 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 welcome back to the party, Cincinnati. It's nice to see you again. This this team showed me something last week against the Steelers. I mean, it's one thing to jump out to an early lead and hold on for a win, but they had to make plays and came from behind. This is a team to keep your eye on, and I think they have no problem with the Browns. Raiders and Texans. 
well, both of these teams looking to get to 500, and I expect this to be a close battle. But the combo of Steve Slayton on the ground, Andre Johnson in the passing game, I think they're going to be a little too much for the Silver and Black. Titans and Jaguars. Well, the Titans are 0-3, but have lost three games by a combined 13 points. That's that's just insane. I know that many people think the Panthers are still a solid team besides being 0-3, but this is what a solid 0-3 team looks like in the Tennessee Titans. I think they break through for that first win of the season, beating Jacksonville on Sunday. Seahawks and Colts. Well, the injury season that Seattle had to suffer through is staring them right in the face again this year, and the worst scenario is to run into the Indianapolis Colts. Peyton leads the Colts to a fairly easy win over the Seahawks. Giants and Chiefs. Now, you saw what the Giants did to the Buccaneers last week, right? Well, expect more of the same for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to take the Giants and big. Bills and Dolphins. Well, Miami is still looking for that win number one in Buffalo. Their news media is just looking for some answers. I can't believe I'm going to stick up for Terrell Owens. Well, I wish those reporters would stop badgering T.O. for the quotes, let the guy go out and play football, and ruin teams the way he has in the past, starting this week with a loss to the Finns. Jets and Saints. Now, raise your hand if you really thought that this was going to be a week four showdown between two undefeated teams, say, a month ago. This is strength versus strength. Saints offense versus Jets defense. The Saints have yet to win a game by less than 18 points this season, and I think that gets broken on Sunday, but New Orleans still gets the win and a 4-0 start. Rams and Niners. San Francisco just a failed Brett Favre heave from being 3-0 headed into this game, but that close loss will not affect this Mike Singletary coach team. I don't expect that loss to linger, and I'll take the Niners all over the dreadful St. Louis Lambs. Cowboys and Broncos. Well, this is going to be the first true test for the 3-0 Broncos uh, coming against a Cowboys team that really only needed to play one strong half against the Panthers to pick up the win on Monday night. I'm concerned that the health of Felix Jones and Marion Barber could really hurt Dallas's chances, but that defense is going to pick up the slack, and it helps get Dallas the win on Sunday. Chargers and Steelers. Well, this is a game that it's going to come down to who wants it more. Pittsburgh looking up at Baltimore and Cincinnati in the division, obviously staring one and three in the face if they don't play well. And for the Chargers, they have to realize that if somehow the Broncos are as good as their record is, then you can't count on a miracle like last season to happen that saw them vault from four games back and win the West. I think Pittsburgh needs it just a little bit more. And considering it's at Heinz Field, I'm going to take Mike Tomlin and the defending champs. But this is going to be a great matchup. Give me the Steelers. Finally, the Packers and the Vikings. It's Brett Favre, it's the Packers, and it's unfortunately in the Metrodome. This matchup in Lambeau later down the road excites me quite a bit more. But just seeing Brett Favre play against the Packers is must-see TV. With that being said, I think Favre another dagger in the heart of the Packers fans and outduels Aaron Rodgers. Well, we will continue to keep score, and we appreciate you picking the games for us, Nick. Hey, it's been good, John. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Stephen Davis, and you listen to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. You know, we present information concerning our Carolina Panthers right here every week, but there's never a dull moment, and that's because the NFL news never sleeps, and neither does NFL news and rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com. This is Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is a man we refer to as White Shadow. He actually is a part of the Ace and TJ show, a morning show that, uh, that comes out of Charlotte. We appreciate you joining us. Anytime, anytime. Glad to be here. Okay, here's the story. For anybody who has not been keeping up with the news lately around in or around Charlotte, 
you have been living on the roof. You've decided not to come down from there until the Panthers win a game. So the obvious question to start with is, how long have you been up there? Well, John, I got up here uh, last Wednesday at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I have not really been down since. I get five minutes every three hours for restroom breaks. If I want to try to take a shower and a cold shower, I can do that. But pretty much been up here since Wednesday at 7 of last week. Well, I mean, have you been living? I mean, what are you eating? And, you know, I guess the obvious questions, you know, things like how do you how do you sleep? I mean, do you have shelter up there? It's been raining a lot. Well, to cover the basics, eating's not really a problem. Um a lot of the local restaurants here in Charlotte are taking very good care of me. I'm actually eating better up here on the roof than I do when I'm at home. <laughs> They're bringing fully catered meals for every meal, so <laughs> that's really nice. Um, shelter, I have a tent. And sleeping, not much. I'm right here. I'm probably maybe five, 600 feet away from Interstate 277, one of the busiest interstates here. And there are cars constantly up and down this road. They see the lights and everything. They start honking because they know I'm out here. So it's really hard to get any sleep out here. Um, and I'm not much of a camper, so I'll go ahead and admit that to you right now. And I didn't know that you're not supposed to touch the sides of a tent. Because if you touch the sides of a tent, it breaks some kind of membrane on there that keeps the rain out and then starts letting the rain in. So we had massive storms here in Charlotte this past weekend. And I was pretty much sleeping in an inch of water inside the tent. Did you just sleep in the water, or did you stay awake? Well, to be honest with you, there hadn't been much sleep. I tried to sleep in the water because I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. To be honest with you, I saw some puddles in the corners and stuff like that, so I actually, you know, put some towels there to try to soak most of it up. But I'd still wake up in the mornings absolutely soaked, and then I figured out... I'd actually bought a Pilates mat to slide under my sleeping bag because the roof up here is black gravel. And they put some plywood down on top of that for the tent, but still kind of rough to sleep on. So I bought that mat to slide under my sleeping bag, but that mat was acting as a sponge and soaking the water up from the bottom of the tent. <laughs> so that's I didn't figure that out for two nights. And then once I figured that out, it was a little bit easier to stay dry. Okay, well, after that Monday night game, well, I guess after that first half... You know, you had to be feeling pretty good. You know, the team's up 7 nothing. Did you think it was possible at that point that maybe your days on the roof had come to an end? Well, I tell you, John, the thing was is I was really excited that first half. Going into that halftime, you know, a minute left and we're up 7 nothing. I was really excited. I never really – I didn't want to jinx it by thinking I could be off this roof. I started getting phone calls and messages as soon as halftime began. You know, oh, you'll be coming off that roof tomorrow. You know, everybody just knew we had this in the bag. And I kept telling everybody, there's still 30 minutes of football to play, and football games can change in 10 seconds or less. So there is no way we've got this in the bag, and we're going to have to keep it up. And sadly, we didn't. All right, now it's obvious. I mean, not many fans would go to this extreme. So I, I think you're... You're proving that, that you're a fan. Some might say crazy. I don't think so. I think you're just, you know, proving that you support the team. But with the team at 0-3 now, do you think any changes should be made? Players, coaches who just shouldn't be there with the team anymore? I, well, let me address this first. The, the thing about being a fan, one of the biggest reasons I'm up here is because in Charlotte I don't think we have enough loyal fans behind our teams, and especially the Panthers. I've lived in Charlotte my entire life. I've been here for 27 years. I 
was one of the first people to buy their merchandise as soon as they got licensed when they got their franchise. And that's the biggest reason I'm up here. And it's good to see some people coming in, finally starting to take notice of what's going on, and actually becoming Panthers fans. There are actually Cowboys fans that messaged me and said, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, but tonight I'm rooting for you. You know, just didn't get off that roof. And if even that's what it takes for a Charlottean to see that and say, hey, maybe we should start taking more notice. Now, in regards to the players and the staff, you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, they asked me what I think the problem with the team is. And I don't know. We are, we're, we're a championship team. I still believe that. We were there last year. You know, we had a bad game against Arizona, a, a horrible game against Arizona. But one thing I'm looking at this year, we have a veteran team. And a lot of the teams that are putting up numbers this year, they have some young blood in their front lines. And I think that's one of the things that's hurting us, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not on the bandwagon of get rid of Jake yet. I'm getting close, but I'm not there yet. I mean, he's a, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I just, I don't know what's happened. It seems to me that he's snapping under pressure. And I don't, I have no clue what would make him do that at this point in his career because, you know, he's been in this game too long. He's taken us to a Super Bowl before. And now, you know, no game is small, but just preseason, regular season games, he's not, he's not performing like he used to. Okay, will you be staying on that roof? Throughout this bye week, since they've they've now got about two weeks before they're going to play again, that is the saddest thing. Yeah, <laughs> I will be up here throughout the bye week. <laughs> um, so I'm up here now with 13 days without any hope of coming down until our next game against Washington at home. I guess it's bad that this bye week came so early, especially with the team playing poorly at 0 and 3, and now you're stuck up there and you know until they can at least play that next game again. But how long? Do you think it's going to be before you actually get to come down out of there? Honestly, John, I really, I think, I think the Washington game will be the one that brings me down. You know, just watching Washington play against Detroit this past weekend, and it was—I'm not a Detroit fan by any means—but to see Detroit beat Washington, or yeah, beat Washington like they did, that was amazing. I, I mean, I enjoyed to watch that to see them finally win a game. It's been so long since they've won a game, but at the same time, I'm not underplaying by any means. Washington's game. They've got a great defense, great off. I mean, they've got a great everything. But I think that we have enough to take them when they come here, and especially off of a bye week. We'll be rested. We'll have, you know, more practice in by then, and hopefully that will be what it takes to bring me down. Well, that's October 11th. I definitely hope you get to come down then. I hope we all get to come down, or rather, maybe we come back from this low that, that we're all on while you're on the roof. But uh, we appreciate you joining us, uh, Shadow from or White Shadow from Ace and TJ. Uh, you can check them out at aceandtj.com. Shadow, thanks for joining us. John, thanks for having me today, bud. Have a great one. I want to thank Tom Sorensen for taking time to talk to us this week. Be sure to check out his insights in the Charlotte Observer. Our thanks to White Shadow for being with us to discuss his dedication as a fan. Good luck on that rooftop. Check out Shadow at aceandtj.com. As always, my appreciation to Nick Yeoman for being such a huge part of the show again this week. If you're missing his vids on YouTube, you're missing out. Check him out by searching for Big Nick 2700. And don't forget to subscribe to our little show on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. 
and we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.